You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Sorry about missing yesterday. This, uh, I don't know, not being able to get up things a little bit a little bit out of control at this point. But it is what it is. It's my problem. Happy, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Is it seriously Wednesday? Man, it is dragging. This week is just dragging. Anyways, we finally have a little bit of news. We've got uh, mini camp, training camp, OTA, whatever thing. So many stupid names. Mandatory mini camp. It's what it's called, but basically it's it's kind of the same thing where they show up and they practice stuff. It's just, it's required. So there's a little bit of news out of that. I mean, it wasn't anything majorly competitive. Um, there are going to be some notes. I'm going to go through the play-by-play. Just understand that I'm doing it for the sake of there's nothing else really, not to say there's nothing else to talk about. There There is kind of a lot going on right now, but it's just that time of year where Aaron Rodgers throwing to Christian Watson on a 45-yard pass at one quarter speed with no pads is still probably the most interesting thing that has happened in a very long time, at least to me. To some people, it's the most useless information ever, but as a Packer fan, it makes me happy, and so we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. But just understand that that's kind of the, the, from the videos I saw, that's a lot of what we saw, and even sort of the more competitive, you know, stuff they were doing at this stage in the game. Nobody is going even close to 100%. Nobody's wearing pads. Nobody's coming in contact with any other human being. So while I can understand you being mad at me for talking about useless things, that's fine. We're going to do it, but I mean, feel free to be angry for whatever reason. But try not to get angry at players for doing things incorrectly, because this is just not the time for that. So-and-so threw behind so-and-so, so-and-so didn't catch it, interception, whatever, remember, training camp and even preseason is when Aaron Rodgers suddenly starts throwing 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 interceptions. And it's like, what in the world happened to Aaron Rodgers? Nothing. Nothing happened to Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. They're messing around. They're trying stuff. They're, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to rip through a couple other things. The Denver Broncos were officially sold. I didn't realize how little I would care about this once it happened. It felt like really big news, and then it happened, and it's like, this is this has no impact on anything whatsoever. And it really doesn't, especially, I think it was largely because it was bought by the Waltons, which is Walmart Sam's Club, and their heirs, or a couple of their heirs, or, or whatever. The, I don't Whoever these people are, the point is, this is just some of the richest people in the world being like, meh, I'm going to buy a football team. And then we're never really going to hear from them again. The only time they're going to pop their head up is when there's a scandal and they need to get out in front of it to protect their business interest. It's about it. They're going to hire other people to run the team and that's the end of it. So, um, yeah, wild, wildly inconsequential in my opinion. I guess I was kind of hoping for something a little bit more interesting. But when you get to this level, when you're talking, you know, 
four hundred some odd billion dollars. It's hard to it's hard to get like you know football players to buy in. You know, you don't see a lot of rappers coming along and being like, "I'm going to be part owner of this team." That's what happened when Aaron Rodgers get it got in on the Bucks and they paid like a half a billion dollars. It was literally like five hundred million bucks. At five hundred million dollars, you can get just very very rich people to be part owner. Four hundred billion. There's a handful of really, really rich people that have nothing to do with football that can afford anywhere near that, and that's it. So, yeah, I woke up and I was like, yep, Walton's bought it, and I was like, wow, that is that is not interesting. Thank you. Um, otherwise, the big news item is the Deshaun Watson situation, which is rapidly spiraling out of control. You know, I, I just don't understand how we got here. I know this isn't a Packers thing, and so I, I fortunately have the luxury of just not talking about it if I so choose, but I just don't know how we got here. I remember when he was a Texan and there were a lot of really bad reports and everyone's like, he's going to get traded, he's going to get traded. And I'm thinking, no, that's not going to happen. This is really, 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 really bad. It's not going to happen. And then when he got cleared in court, it was like, well, all right, now I guess he can get traded, but it's still pretty bad. And I was a little surprised at how many teams apparently were like, yeah, let's do this. And I get it. He's, he's one of, let, let me just set aside the off the field stuff He's potentially the best quarterback in football, right? I mean, Joe Burrow is potentially the best quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there, there's a pile of them. But you got to understand, Deshaun Watson was already by far easily a top five quarterback on maybe the worst team in football. Garbage offensive line, zero run game, and he had like one really good wide receiver. That's the entire team. It was, it was him and D-Hop, and that was the whole team. And he freaking crushed it over there. Remember that whole thing about don't put a rookie quarterback on a bad team with a bad offensive line and no weapons and stuff because you're going to ruin them? He came in and crushed it with that. You put him somewhere else, there's no telling. So I, I, I say all that to say that I guess from that standpoint, you can understand it. I mean, this is, he's the guy that every team wants, but you look at the situation and it's like, you, you bunch of idiots. Just because it got cleared in court doesn't mean that these women aren't going to speak up and be like, here's what happened. I mean, you can't... You must not have been able to think three steps ahead or two steps or even one step ahead because it's pretty obvious the next step after being cleared in court is if any of these women so chose is to just say, by the way, here's what he did to me. And if even one of those comes out and now we have multiple coming out, this is a disaster that you can't, you cannot win. You're not going to win this. And I'll say this and I, I you know, there's you know, innocent until proven guilty and all that, but it looks really bad for him. But let's just say for the sake of argument that this actually somehow didn't happen. Let's say he's actually innocent. Just for the sake of argument, you're still going to lose this battle. From a PR standpoint, Deshaun Watson can go on Instagram and say it's not true all he wants. If you get two, three, four, five women saying in graphic detail the kinds of stuff that are coming out about what he did, and by the way, it could be a whole lot and might get a whole lot worse than this. I, we, we've read some pretty horrible things that he's done. There are 10 degrees of, <laughs> it could get a lot worse than this. But what the heck were the Browns thinking? What was the plan? Like once the court said, we're, we're you know, we've, we absolve you of guilt, that this isn't going to happen? Now again, as I said in the past, a lot of these things, you know, time heals all, but not this. You know, unfortunately, people do just forget about stuff if it just stops for a while. And I suppose this, this too, because, I mean, look at Antonio Brown. 
I mean, very similar stories came out about Antonio Brown, and he just continued to play, and we act like nothing happened. I guess it's possible that that happens here, but it's it's not looking great. And either way, it's lose-lose. And, and the one thing I couldn't help but think about this morning is how unfair this is to Browns fans. You know, because you start talking about what kind of punishments, on, on top of how horrible the situation already is. Because if you really think about it, with one unbelievably stupid decision, they took the Browns away from, from fans. Because as a fan, how do you even root for your team anymore? Imagine if the Packers did that and he was your quarterback. How could you root for this team? Be hard, wouldn't it? What are you supposed to do? They just took the team away from fans. And then you start talking about punishments and all this stuff, and I get it, but at the same time, you're punishing the fan base because of the decision that a stupid GM made. And, and you know, no question about it, leadership signed off on it. Ownership. That poor fan base, man, they cannot catch a break. They finally started to get into a groove a little bit. You know, Baker wasn't that bad. He's not great, but he's decent enough to at least get him a couple playoff wins here and there. And they just, they ran the freaking guy off. They're dragging him around right now. They're, they're jerking the guy around. I mean, Baker doesn't deserve what he's getting right now. And the Browns are just dangling, dangling him along. Don't want to cut him loose. There's already teams saying, if you'll cut him loose, we'll sign him. And they're like, no, because we don't know what's going to happen with this Deshaun thing. And we want to have him sitting here just in case. Dude, <laughs> screw you. But it's just, it's just a, it's a brutal situation for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I just wanted to run through a couple other mini camp reports from other teams. There's not a lot that I found, but... Um, the biggest reason I wanted to do it is just to kind of stay up on what's going on, but also give a little bit of, of context, just just to, for comparison's sake. What kinds of stuff are we hearing compared to what other teams are hearing? Because remember what I was saying about Christian Watson, right? Every other team is, this is the greatest rookie we've ever seen in our lives. Everything's amazing. And then it's like Christian Watson drop passes. Now, I will say this. I, I forgot about one other guy that's getting dragged right now. And Christian Watson isn't really getting dragged, but it's just, you know, everybody else is just fluffing up their guys. and. Again, it's probably to the credit of Packers media to not just be so, you know, they get thrown under the bus all the time for, for being like just Packer fans and, and constantly just supporting the team. Not everybody, but sometimes fans say that. I don't know. But um, I think they actually do a pretty good job of just being like, hey, here's what happened. <laughs> and that's it. There's a lot. Of, there are a lot I've noticed of reporters for other teams that are just ridiculous. Um, I mean, straight up. I remember there was this one guy in Seattle that I kept going round and round with, where it's like, I really don't want to get into a fight with you. Like, this is none of my business. I don't know how you just showed up on my feed, but I, I'm just the kind of person who can't see this and just let it go. So you're way off, and here's a dissertation on why. And I'm really sorry to do this to you, but I, I can't let this go. And then, like, the next day he did another one. It's like, you, you have to stop this. And we see the Bears fans do this constantly. And, the, and these are reporters. I'm not just talking about fans. I'm talking about reporters who, like, twist stats to make their guys look better. So there's a lot of that out there. But there is one other guy that's getting dragged right now, and that is Traylon Burks. The only thing we've heard about Traylon Burks is the guy can't breathe, right? We heard real early on, like, he had to get pulled from practice because he's out of shape. The latest reports is that he's having a lot of issues with asthma, which is not great because he's done nothing anywhere near the amount of exertion required to play in an NFL football game or college football game for that matter, which is the weird part. But anyways, again, just a couple teams. Uh, 49ers, Debo Samuel did not show up, but is expected to show up. He's been having some contract. A lot of wide receivers. There, there were um, 
DK Metcalf is another one that did not show up because of contract disputes, basically because of the massive high price of wide receivers right now. A lot of wide receivers are trying to take advantage of that. The market's hot, right? Now is the time to cash in your chips. You know, it's like it's like you're trying to sell your house because you're going to, you know, live in your RV and travel the country or whatever, and the market's super hot right now. So you, right now is the time to sell your house. So Debo and DK are like, just pay me now because you, you never know. I mean, the market's hot now. It may come down. It may be like the housing market where everyone's like, I'm going to let it cool off. And five years later, it's even hotter than it was. And five years after that, it's even hotter than it was. And you're looking back over 10 years going, why didn't we buy a house when this was 200000 Now it's 400000 Boy, are we stupid. But Debo is expected to show up at some point. Um, the only other note from the 49ers, Trey Lance was the sharpest I've seen him so far in the offseason. The best was a completion on a post to tight end Tanner Hudson, who made a sensational one-handed catch. Hudson was known, blah, 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 doesn't matter. So the point is, Trey Lance is looking good right now. Again, take everything with a grain of salt, doesn't mean a ton, but it is a big deal. Because the 49ers basically are a team that is primed to um, be in the running. Now, I see a lot of rankings. There was one I saw yesterday where the, I think it was, how did they rank it? It was like Tampa, then the Rams, then the Packers, then the 49ers. And honestly, the one that stuck out to me the most on that list was the 49ers, because it's like, how do you just automatically put them there? We've never even really seen Trey Lance. I just don't know how you take a team with a big question mark at quarterback and call them like the fourth best team in all of football. That's just weird to me. But they have that ability if Trey Lance can just dominate. They also have the potential to be a bottom of the barrel team if Trey Lance sucks. So it's a major question mark for everybody, especially in the NFC, especially for the Packers who just for some reason, the NFC West is, that's that's just the litmus test for us. If we can't beat the NFC West, we don't win anything. Uh, Leonard Fournette commented on Tom Brady, says he hasn't lost a step. Again, it's like day one of minicamp. But at the same time, I'm really banking on him losing a little bit of a step. <laughs> so, and, and granted, this is a teammate who might just be flat out lying, but it just made me sad to see it. Uh, linebacker Leonard uh, Darius Leonard of the Colts uh, is going to have back surgery. Sounds like it's going to be a short-lived thing. He should be back for training camp, but that is noteworthy. One of the better linebackers in football. Great quote coming out of Detroit Lions camp. Dan Campbell on Jared Goff showing so far, quote, no red flags with him. He looks good out there. He's commanding the huddle. He's throwing the ball well. That's one of his strengths. He's a pretty accurate passer up to the point he's having a good spring. How's Jared looking? Not horrible. <laughs> no red flags, you know. I didn't see anything that's like, oh, shoot, we need a new quarterback, you know? One of his strengths is he throws the ball well, you know? Which is good because he's a quarterback. So, you know, being able to throw the ball uh, correctly is kind of important to us here in Detroit when it comes to uh, our evaluation of, of what quarterback should be our quarterback he is throwing the ball well. It's always funny to me when coaches are asked to talk up players that you know aren't very good and they do their absolute best and it just comes out real flat. And the only thought that goes through my head is, yeah, you know he sucks. <laughs> um, already mentioned DK Metcalf. The only other thing here was uh, the Houston Texans wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton was carted off practice uh, after suffering a right knee injury. So already we're starting to see these kinds of things. So if you see video from Packers camp and you see these guys literally jogging and there's no con contact and it's, you know, part of me is like, why don't you run faster? You know, it's hard to build chemistry with quarterback wide receiver if you're not going to go full speed. This is useless da, da, because they don't want blowing out knees in minicamp. That's why you don't want that non-contact, you know, jump, you know, skying up to get the ball coming down, landing wrong and, and blowing out your knee type stuff. So unfortunately, it has begun. Uh, big news out of Packers camp, at least in this regard. Alan Lazard, 
not there yet. JJ sent me this via Matt Schneidman. Statement from Alan Lazard's agent, Peter Schaefer, on Lazard's mandatory minicamp absence. Quote, Alan's total focus is on having the best possible season he can have as a player and helping the Packers win the Lombardi Trophy. Everything he is doing is to further those objectives. I don't know about you, but I have no idea what that means. Partially because it's just not true. I mean, it's, it's, it's lawyer speak, but it's just nonsense. Allen's total focus is on having the best possible season he can have as a player and helping the Packers win the Lombardi Trophy. If that was true, he would be at minicamp. Everything he's doing is to further those objectives. Everything he's doing, does that include not showing up? Now, again, I, I don't want to go too far down this road because I don't know what's happening. Maybe he's got a serious issue going on with his family, although you can still sign the piece of paper. Then again, if you did, you would be required to show up. So maybe it's like, I can't sign it because I need to be with my family. But, you know, once this thing is resolved, I will sign it. I'll come back, whatever. It's just a loophole so that I can be, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the, the, the thing that would make me look like the biggest jerk if I railed against the guy and it turns out this was the situation, you know, is his, you know, grandma's sick or something. I don't know. So I don't, I don't want to beat the guy over the head because I don't know. And, and I've, I've fallen into that trap way too many times of taking the bait and then looking like an idiot, like railing against Sammy Watkins for not showing up to OTAs only to find out he did show up, which I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get mad at the media for that one. They're the ones that are like, Sammy didn't show up, Sammy didn't show up, Sammy didn't show up. And I'm sitting here like, well, that's stupid. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we don't technically know that he didn't show up because we don't have access to everything that happened. So maybe he did. I don't really know. You tell me that now. And sure, now Matt LaFleur goes up to the podium and is like, yeah, Sammy's been here. Oh, okay. Thanks. Bunch of jerks. Listen, I, I just work with the information I'm being given. All right. I don't know. But, but let's just speculate for fun, shall we? Because I'll be completely honest. If this isn't about money, um, I think his agent is doing him a disservice. I don't want it to be about money. I want Lazard to show up and be happy and go play football. That's what I want. But if you think about the situation he's in, he is now, whether you want to believe it or not, the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, the guy that you just paid a billion dollars to. He is now the right-hand man to the most important person in the entire organization. This is a team that is desperate to win now, that is unbelievably thin at wide receiver, especially at any sort of veteran wide receiver that can plug and play and is ready week one. He might be like the only guy, maybe outside of Randall Cobb, but Randall has as much experience as Amari does with this specific offense. Lazard is the guy right now. If you look at it from that lens, he is a valuable piece to this offense, not just because of what he brings, but because of what, what happens if he leaves. We're in a lot of trouble. And the Packers are trying to throw this second round tender on him, which I think, uh, I believe that's what it is. And I, so it's, it's like $4 million. I mean, it, it's, it's not bad. And I honestly don't know how much more money you can squeeze the Packers for, but it might not just be about money. It could be about years. It's a one-year proposition. And, and again, if I'm Lazard, I'm looking at my agent going, look at the situation I'm in right now and tell me you can't do better because I've got some other agents on freaking speed dial. And I'm not kidding. I would be in my agent's face and be like, you get me a better situation than this because I am sitting on a freaking gold mine and you've done nothing. I can be kind of a jerk like that sometimes. Just ask the people that run this network. <laughs> I've sent a couple emails. <laughs> I'm not that mean, but that's the general idea behind it, you know? And so I, I, I'm not, again, I, I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying it would make sense that they're trying to say, just give me another contract. It doesn't have to even be more money. 
I'm not asking for a pay raise. I'm not asking to hurt the salary cap even a dime, which, by the way, Packers are in a really good position right now with the salary cap. Um, Now, that doesn't necessarily speak to the future, but as of right now, they're fine. They have extra money if they need it. Just just hit me with a four-year contract. I don't care if it's a if, if it's an eight million dollar per year contract. I mean, honestly, you, you don't think he's worth that? Four years, eight million per year. I think he's more valuable than MVS, who just got ten million a year. I, I, and again, I'm not saying I want that. I much prefer Lazard on a one-year, four million dollar deal. I'm just saying, from his perspective, I wouldn't be in a rush to come back either. Make him sweat. You know, they're sitting there going, I don't know, I think we'll be okay with, with the guys we got. It's going to be kind of, a, kind of a tough situation, but I think we can make it work. And then you don't show up. Oh, they're sweating, all right. And the GM, who would be in charge of making this decision, and Russ Ball, are the ones that are going to get crucified if the wide receivers don't perform. And Lazard and his agent know that as well. This reminds me of that uh, Michael Scott paper company thing where you're talking about a buyout. He looks over at David Wallace. He says, I see your proposition and I'll raise you. You have a shareholder meeting coming up, and your largest branch is bleeding. In other words, you're under the microscope. I don't need to play. I can sit here and wait and watch this thing fall apart and wait for the pressure to come down on you, and you'll have no other choice. The fans will be screaming to pay Alan Lazard to come back. Actually, they'll probably be screaming for, like, Julio or something, but for DK, which actually Lazard should be careful because I was thinking about it the other day with DK Metcalf not showing up or whatever. And again, the whole thing seems... Silly, like you know, we're we're not going to go for DK. They're not going to let him go. But that team is such a disaster right now. Why would you pay if you're the Seattle? I know I'm getting off into the weeds here, but if we're 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 ultimately talking about the Packers here. If you're the Seattle Seahawks, why would you pay him thirty million dollars? And I'm not saying that's necessarily what it's going to be, but why would you? You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a team. You don't have anything, and you're going to waste thirty million dollars on a guy that runs fast down the field for what? Now, generally, I'm not in favor of this, but in their situation. Just take the first round pick and dump them. Keep all that money, get an additional pick, find a quarterback, or if you're actually smart, build the team properly, get some offensive linemen that don't suck for once in your life. You know, start start this rebuild. Dump the old talent, start building younger talent, figure it out. And again, from the Packers standpoint, biggest and maybe only actual weakness, and I'm not talking about depth, I'm just talking about, you know, starting day one, potentially wide receiver. You've got one, maybe two, maybe three years left of Aaron Rodgers. Don't have a lot of time to figure out the wide receivers. Well, it's not great, but maybe by next year it'll get figured out. Okay, who's our quarterback next year? Oh, you don't know, do you? Again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm all in on the idea. I'm just saying it's starting to seem a little less crazy that if they can't get it figured out over there and DK Metcalf is willing and the Packers are willing, and, and again, it's the first round pick that I hate the most. I don't want to give that up, but you know, and that's the other thing. I don't like giving up first-round picks, and I do think generally it's pretty stupid, but we, I, if you look at this team, we're pretty stacked from head to toe. If there ever was a time when the Packers were okay giving away a first-round pick, which is going to be a late first-round pick, let's just call it what it is, ideally, hopefully pick 32, which is, let's be honest about that too, that is a second-round pick. After about pick 20, you're talking about second-round picks. So the Packers almost never get first-round picks to begin with. Because there's only about 20-some-odd first-round grades in a given draft class. But what, what are we going to do? Are we going to get uh, uh, upgrade the offensive line? What, are you going to get a guard? No. You can get those guys in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth, seventh. No problem. By the way, we've already drafted plenty of them. Are you going to get a tight end? No. You don't need a first-round tight end. And they wouldn't do that anyways. 
You going to get a wide receiver? No, you've already invested heavily in that. Are you going to get a quarterback? No, not at that. I mean, you could, but he's not going to be worth getting anyways. Defensive tackle? We're good there. Edge rusher? I mean, maybe. But again, all the real good ones are gone. You got corners, you got linebackers, you got safeties. I'm not saying it's useless, but if there was ever a team that was basically complete with the exception of like one spot, it's the Green Bay Packers. It's one of the more complete rosters I've ever seen. And as opposed to going all in and giving up a first round pick as I am, if there ever was a team to do it, if there ever was a situation to do it, it's this situation. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history who's on maybe the last year of his career on a perfectly complete team that just needs a wide receiver, and one of the top wide receivers in the NFL is unhappy with his current team. Granted, we had the best wide receiver in football. He was on this team, and we didn't win. I'll grant you that. But what else are you going to do? Just be like, well, then forget it. We're going to lose? That doesn't seem like a great plan. Well, if we can't do it with Devontae, we can't do it with anyone. And again, it's a different year, different situation. This isn't 2021. Nor is it 2020, nor is it 2019. The goal here is to have a number one, number two, number three at worst defense in the NFL and an improved offense based on better offensive line play, hopefully better health, better run game, and yes, better production from other wide receivers outside of your number one, but also we have a really good number one. That's the ideal. Again, I'm I'm not saying I'm all in. I'm just saying if ever this plan made sense to me to, to go all in on a wide receiver, we're kind of getting to that point for me. Because we can sit here and talk all we want about, you know, number one defense and all this stuff. And da, da, da. What does it mean? What is it worth? For what? Because we want to win games with lower scores? I, what, what is the value of that? The point is to have a better team. The point is to have a well-rounded team that can go on and win football games. Not just in the regular season, but in the postseason and hopefully get a Super Bowl. If that is the goal, let's go get it. Because again, we know Rodgers is, is, is done. Soon. Maybe after this year. And, and again, I don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Love, but I have not seen one good report from him ever, ever. And that includes yesterday. Not that that's worthy of panicking. As I said, it doesn't mean anything, but it just, it's always bad with him. Always bad. And, and at this point, it's like, okay, we're doing one quarter speed. Just don't suck so that we have to, you know, we don't need to panic. And he's out there. It's like, well, that was well behind. That was overthrown. That was intercepted. It's like, freaking dude, Jordan, it doesn't get easier than this, bro. Just don't let him say bad stuff about you. It's, it's half speed. Nope, all bad news. So at this point, and, and, and the, the problem is the roster's too good to where it's like, well, you know, once Rodgers leaves, we'll, we'll win two games and then we'll get a quarterback. I don't know about that. I think we go out in free agency, we get a mid-tier quarterback, and we go out and win eight games or nine games or something. I, I, don't, I don't think we just fall off and win two games. There's too much talent here. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that that would point is that's the only threat to Alan Lazard is if they, if he pushes it too hard, they're just going to go out and find somebody else. And again, I don't even know if that's what's going on. I'm just saying that makes perfect sense to me. And it would almost be weird if he wasn't. Anyways, um, why don't we take a break here? We'll get into the Packers camp stuff. We've got some interviews that took place with Rogers, with a couple other guys, with Matt LaFleur, not a ton of interesting stuff from Matt LaFleur, but I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the reports that came out of camp, which I structured a little bit differently this year. I've also got my stat of the day, which we'll try to get to. Very sorry for Uncle Rico. <laughs> he posted the question of the day on Twitter, and his, his answer was, don't care. <laughs> okay. Apparently, he's, he really doesn't like the uh, trivia of the day. But anyways, remember, uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter, we've got uh, the GoFundMe to help Drew to get his seizure service dog. 
Thank you very much to Neil O'Donnell for the $20 donation, as well as Dennis Dockery for the $50 donation. We have now officially crossed the $6,000 mark. We're, we're actually, for a while there, it was like, I just feel like we're never going to get there. We, the goal is $7,400. I think we got this. $1,430 away. And again, the vast majority has been $10, $20, $25, $50. I mean, it's, it's not like $1,000 donations. It's just a little bit here, a little bit there. So if you've got a little bit, it goes a long way. And then remember, pinned to the top of my, uh, in the Facebook group, we have the fund for Nebels over on Everloved. Um, actually, we have surpassed the goal, so we can actually, I'll leave that up for a little bit, but um, holy cow, did that really fly there down the, down the stretch. Last I looked, we were halfway there, um, and they sent out an email yesterday saying thank you, which I, maybe that's why, but um, $15,000 was the goal. It's at $15,550. Absolutely feel free to continue giving if you so feel led to do so, but um, we can close this out. So that's, that's, that's awesome that we were able to do that. What I'll probably do is I'll t- put the, um, either later today or tomorrow, I will put the um, Palmer Home uh, fundraiser up there. By the way, Palmer Home, thank you very much to Chris. Oof, it's one of those last names that has a random J in the middle, and it's like, I'm going to mess this up. Gajostic? $105 donation, so we're up and running with that. Again, Palmer Home to, uh, these are homes for children that that need help, basically. We we ran this campaign last year. We raised a ton of money. I think it was over $5,000. I set the goal to 10000 because we have a lot of time, and why not? But ultimately, we are a part of a bigger um, organization that is raising money, and the ultimate goal is $40,000, and it's $20,000 a year. It feeds a family for an entire year, so this would feed two families for a year if we can reach that $40,000 goal as a group. But anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm actually going to do the training camp stuff right away because I know if I get started on the stat of the day, it's going to take a long time, and then I'm going to be short on actually talking about Packers stuff. So we'll we'll say, well, this is a Packers stat, but we'll save that for the end if we have time. If not, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, a couple random notes about camp. Bakhtiari, well, not random, but, you know, not in a specific category. Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Tunyon, Hill, Ramsey, Malik Taylor on agility ladders to begin practice. These are uh, guys that are rehabbing and whatnot. Alan Lazard is the only player I don't see at practice. Everyone else is either practicing or rehabbing. By the way, as always, shout out to a lot of the guys that um, are there that are cranking out tons of content that are given given us information so that we can get a peek into these things. Uh, a lot of different reporters and whatnot that are there kind of giving play-by-plays and information as these camps go along. As I've said before, if you're looking for just one guy to give you sort of a play-by-play breakdown, Andy Herman, I think, does a really, really good job. I mean, he is he is a play-by-play machine. Um, offensive notes, starting offense in jog-throughs, Rodgers at quarterback, Jones and Dylan at running back, Watson and Watkins, man, that's going to mess with me, at wide receiver, Lewis at tight end, and then the offense is Yash at left, so from left to right, Yash, John Runyon, Myers, Newman, and Cole Van Lannen. Next note for the offense, Aaron Rodgers' skill players on first team reps of this team period include A.J. Dillon, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Tyler Davis. Going to be a different year, it says. So it's pretty obvious that we're still in sort of the testing phase. And obviously with Alan Lazard not being there, that kind of kind of leaves it wide open, right? So who's the number one, number two, number three? I mean, to, to start off, it's kind of a Watson-Watkins thing, but who knows? Uh, quarterback note, and, and by the way, I've structured this a little bit differently. What I used to do is I'd go through the positions and then on the play-by-plays, I would also put this here. So if a quarterback threw a pass or whatever, and the, the complication was twofold. Number one, is it a quarterback note or a wide receiver note or a cornerback note if it was a pick or whatever? Where do you put that note? And then the other issue is some of these are kind of, it's better if you read it in line of what happened. You know, if you if you read a note that is the final play of a two-minute drill and you don't read what happened, you know, it's just kind of clunky. So I've decided to set that aside, the, the play-by-plays, so that that'll read in order of as they happened. And then these notes are non-play-by-play notes. So there's not going to be anything, any plays until we get to that section of it. But um, the only quarterback note I have, Aaron Rodgers just greeted Brian Gutekunst with a hearty handshake and a couple pats on the back at practice. They're now laughing together. Um, that was a Schneidman note. He made it seem like that's you know not an interesting thing. I do think it's interesting. He has become a company man. There was also a, a note later on about during his press conference, when talking about Devontae, the question was, were you kind of surprised or, or taken aback, I think was the, the phrasing, when Devontae told you he wanted out. And um, the note went on to say, basically, he just defended Brian Gutekunst and talked about what a great job they did at, at offering him a contract. So he, he has gone the complete opposite direction. On, at one point, it was all about the team isn't doing enough. And he went out of his way to make sure everybody knew that. Now he's going out of his way to make sure that Brian Gutekunst gets all the credit, even in, even with, you know, I mean, that wasn't even the question. He didn't have to bring up Brian Gutekunst at all. 
but he wanted to make sure to put it out there that they did all the right things. Because they, they are catching a lot of flack about Devontae. I think most fans understand that there was nothing that could have been done, but there's still within and especially without the uh, on the outside of the Packers community, a lot of questioning, did the Packers do enough or whatever. So he he is 100% a company man at this point. And it's kind of funny and, and interesting because a lot of the anti-Gudekunst, anti-front office people are pro-Rogers people. That's the whole point. And, and they did Rogers wrong, therefore I hate Brian Gudekunst. I hate everything they do. I hate the way he looks. Hate his face. Well, now Rodgers and, and Gutekunst are best friends, and Rodgers thinks everything he does is great. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to come along and continue to follow Rodgers around like a little puppy? Or are you going to stand your ground and keep hating Brian Gutekunst? I'm just, I'm just curious to see how that all pans out. But anyways, interesting dynamic. Um, running back note, Aaron Jones getting split around the formation quite a bit with A.J. Dillon in the backfield. Would think you'd see 33 and 28 on the field quite a bit this season. So th- this is, I don't remember when this came up. Uh, I don't know if it was me that came to this conclusion as a possibility or if somebody else brought it up, but I know it's been talked about, and I think it's worth bringing up again. It's entirely possible that the way that they structure this offense is sort of similar to the New Orleans Saints circa 2017. That is to say, you've got Mark Ingram, who was sort of your grunt back, and then you've got Alvin Kamara, who's your versatile you know, receiving slash running back. Especially this year, when you don't really have a lot of dominant talent everywhere, it would make sense to have two of your better players, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, on the field as much as is possible. So I do think you can see a lot of two-back sets. First of all, because you can do a lot of stuff from it, but also just the versatility of these guys as as receivers, but especially Aaron Jones. I mean, he's so talented as a running back, but he's also much more than that. And I think he could fit into that sort of Alvin Kamara role, where he's great as a running back, but also as a receiver. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic receiver, whether that's out of the backfield or from the slot. So I, I would actually be surprised if we don't see some of that. And the fact that minicamp started and already they're, they got Aaron Jones all over the formation just makes perfect sense to me. A couple of wide receiver notes. The first pass from uh, Watson, from Rodgers to Watson is in the books. Christian Washington just hauled a 45-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers, which drew a polite applause from fans at minicamp. Now, when they say 45-yard bomb, again, we're talking about jogging down the field, but still, they got the first one out of the way. Uh, comment from Andy Herman, he says, there's no lack of confidence in Juwan Winfrey. Carries himself like a wide receiver one. He's been first in line in wide receiver drills, has caught everything with confidence. What it amounts to, if anything, will remain to be seen, but he certainly exudes confidence. You know, Juwan Winfrey's one of those guys where every year there are certain people that fans lock into, and I look at it and go, yeah, but that's not going to happen. I don't mean to dump on Jawan, but it's just it's just so unbelievably unlikely in my mind that Jawan Winfrey amounts to being a, a high-volume guy. Now, I'll, maybe, maybe, and I don't, I don't know why this keeps it. There's always guys way down the line at wide receiver that, that somebody has to lock into. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. There's all, it's same with quarterback. The, the, the third-string quarterback is always just a hero. But Jawan Winfrey and Malik Taylor are, are guys that certain fans are just obsessed with. And they're, they're fine. And I'm not saying Herman is obsessed with them. I'm just, I'm just saying that just proceed with caution, right? First of all, don't forget about them because they, they can contribute and all that stuff, and that's great. But just let's not get too carried away with this because we do this every year. Do you remember Reggie Begleton in 2020? I mean, Kumaro was here. Darius Shepard was a big name for a while. Reggie Begleton was still here. 2018, remember Michael Clark? What a big deal everybody made about Michael Clark because he was tall. (laughs) 
It was the biggest deal in the world. He's going to be amazing because he's tall. 2017, I mean, D'Angelo Yancey, Malachi Dupree. So, you know, again, let's, let's just not take it there is all I'm asking. Offensive line notes. Interesting tidbit. Cole Van Lannan and Yash Nyman have swapped places on the Packers offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers in the opening walkthroughs. Van Lannan has been the right tackle. Nijman left tackle in OTAs, but open spot is right tackle, but open spot is right tackle with David Bakhtiari expected to return. I don't know what any of that means, but the point is Cole Van Lannan had been the right tackle for a long time. They swapped it and put Yash at right tackle and Cole Van Lannan at left tackle with Aaron Rodgers there. Now, I tried to think about what that could possibly mean, and then they switched it back when Rodgers left. I'm trying to think if that's good news or bad news, and here's kind of what I was thinking. It's all about David Bakhtiari. Could be way off on this, but here's here again. This is what I'm thinking. When Rodgers is out there, you want to get as much familiarity with what will be the offensive line. Why is Yash at right tackle and Cole Van Lannan at left tackle when Rodgers is out there? Well, when Rodgers isn't out there, the goal is to get as many people, as many reps as is possible. So we're going to put Cole Van Lannan out there and get him some practice reps at right tackle and get Yash some left tackle snaps. However, if we assume that David Bakhtiari is going to play week one, and if we assume Yash is the next guy in line and not Cole Van Lannan, that means week one is going to be David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Yash Nyman at right tackle. So when Aaron Rodgers is on the field, we want our next in line where he's going to be on week one. And Cole Van Lannan is a placeholder for a spot that will be filled by David Bakhtiari in week one. And when Rodgers is not out there, we put out what would be the, I mean, this is what the offensive line be, would be without David Bakhtiari. Yash, who is our next best tackle ahead of Cole Van Lannan, is our left tackle. And then after that would be Cole Van Lannan, so he's our right tackle. This is the, the offensive line as we would lay it out if these are the guys we have available. But again, we're only switching it with Aaron Rodgers because we want the familiarity with what the offensive line is going to be with our starting quarterback. That's my thought on that situation. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's the conclusion I came to, which in my mind is a good sign that they do believe David Bakhtiari is going to be back in week one. Maybe that's just optimism. I don't know. But that's, that's, what I, that's the conclusion I came to. And it says immediately after that, Packers swapped Yash and Cole Van Lennon back to left and right tackle with Jordan Love at quarterback. And then it says, over with the second team, Zach Tom is getting snaps at center, Sean Ryan at right guard, Rashid Walker is at right tackle. Still early, but some potential initial positions for each rookie. Um, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into Zach Tom being at center. I wish they would have said who the rest of the group is, but I really just think it's trying to get the question for me isn't, is this the best spot for Zach Tom? The question is, who's the left guard? Or, or maybe a better question would be, if we force Zach Tom to left guard just because that's where we want him, who then is our center? We might not have one. So it's sort of just, again, what is the best second team offensive line we can put out there? This is how it's arranged. That doesn't mean Zach Tom's going to be a center. doesn't mean any of that. And they're going to continue to shuffle things around, but as of today, if we were just drawing out who's the best group of five that we can get after that group of five, this is what they came up with. Uh, defensive notes. Uh, let's see. Starting defense for first team period. The defensive front, Rashawn, Kenny, Jaron Reed, Preston Smith. Linebackers, Devondre and Quay. Corners, Razul and Stokes and Jair. And then safeties, Adrian and Darnell. None of that is surprising with the exception of two things. Number one, Jerron Reed is our number two defensive tackle. That should not necessarily be surprising. And then Quay Walker is already our number one linebacker. Now, I talked about this, what, two days ago, last time I did a podcast. Somebody had asked a question, and I don't remember what the question was, but 
I kind of talked about expectations. And I had said that at defensive tackle, I don't necessarily think they have to push Wyatt into that number two spot. He might be in that spot real early, but I don't see that having to be the case, especially this early on when we're just talking about respect. I think you afford Jerron Reed that level of respect. You give Dean Lowry those guys that level because they're veterans. Now, that's not to say that Devontae doesn't launch his way into that spot week one. I don't know. We'll have to see how things progress. But the one question mark was about Quay Walker, and I wasn't really sure if he would be given that spot right out of the gate. I thought there was a good possibility he would, although it's not entirely 100%, but I knew that it would be with within short order he'd be getting that spot, but um, not a bad sign that that right out of the gate he's getting that that number one spot. It does kind of make sense. First team nickel defense. The defensive tackles are Kenny and Jerron Reed. Pass rushers Preston Rashawn. Linebackers Quay and Devondre. Corners are Stokes and Jair. Razul Douglas in the slot. Adrian and Darnell Savage are safeties. Um, and then there's one more note here. Douglas getting first reps in the slot. Preston Gary. And then you got uh, Reed, Slayton, and Clark at defensive tackle. Campbell, Walker, and Barnes are rotating at linebacker. Jair, Stokes, Douglas, Amos, and Savage are safety. So that's kind of the starting defense. Get a little bit more information about Slayton being the guy that comes in, which makes sense. He is the nose tackle. So if you're going to bring in three or whatever, that's kind of that situation. I'm sure Clark is going to take some snaps inside. It's going to depend on down and distance, by the way. If it's a pass rushing situation, it's going to be Kenny at nose tackle. You're going to have probably Jerron Reed, maybe Dean Lowry, and then um, Devontae Wyatt because you're getting your pass rushers along the defensive line, right? If it's maybe like a first down or a running down, assuming you can swap guys in and out, TJ is probably going to be that guy on the inside because, again, he's more of a run stopper, even though nobody wants to acknowledge that. But the biggest news here, which, again, I've been kind of saying this since forever, but the biggest news is that the starting slot corner is Razul Douglas, not Jair Alexander. How long on this podcast have have I been saying that it doesn't make sense to me that we just pigeonhole Jair in the slot? How do we just say automatically that the number one cornerback, not just on this team, but one of the best in all of football, we're just going to throw him in the slot and not worry about it? That's not to say he doesn't end up in the slot. He doesn't get some snaps in the slot. And and it's funny how a lot of guys who are are writing about this, their takeaway was, well, this just proves that they're going to be doing a lot of rotating. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it's possible that that happens, but it doesn't prove that. But the only reason they're saying that is because they still can't let go of the idea that Jair is going to play a massive role in the slot. And they're, they're running with quotes from the defensive coordinator and from the, you know, DB coach and all that, who said that all of our guys can play in the slot. And again, they're using that to, to try to, to say that, well, they're starting with Razul, but everybody's going to play, including Jair. We don't know that either. He's just saying that everybody's capable, but who's going to be the primary guy in the slot? As of today, it's Razul Douglas, which again makes sense. Not only because you're looking at who's most capable in the slot, but look, look at the end of the day, the most important positions are the two guys on the outside. And the two guys they want on the outside are Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander, and that makes perfect sense to me. And yes, I, I expect Jair to be, Jair has always played a little bit in the slot here and there. There's never been a season where he didn't play a couple snaps in the slot. I mean, they move everybody around everywhere. Nothing is as static as we think it is. I mean, the safeties have taken snaps in the slot. We've got safeties that have been along the defensive line. I mean, it just, everybody plays everywhere. But it, it was always the weirdest thing to me that everybody just assumed that Jair would be the slot guy. And I never understood that because it just, it just doesn't make sense to just take him off of that number one spot. That would be like if Zadarius was still here and we decided to just make him a full-time defensive tackle because we've already got pass rushers. You know, we've got Rashawn and we've got Preston... So we're just going to make Zadarius a defensive tackle. Huh? Or, or making um, 
Aaron Jones just a full-time wide receiver because we need help at wide receiver, and A.J. Dillon's going to be taking the majority of the snaps at running back, so we might as well just make him a wide receiver. No. 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 <laughs> Sorry. No. And even that's not a great example because I don't know that A.J. Dillon isn't the better running back, but anyways, and again, week one, maybe Jair is our slot corner. I'm still leaving that door open, but again, it's just the fact that everybody just out of nowhere decided that Jair was going to be in the slot. And it, I felt like I was going crazy. Like, how am I the only person that doesn't see this? It must be something wrong with me. Nope. It's not. It's all of you. <laughs> uh, defensive tackle note, we kind of already covered it, but third inside defensive line, interior defensive lineman is TJ Slayton. Devontae Wyatt currently working on the other field with the twos and threes. Dean Lowry is rehabbing. No, that's not any reason to panic. They haven't even done enough to evaluate Devontae Wyatt. So if your mind immediately goes to, great, he's a bust, you're, you are way too pessimistic. They have done nothing yet, especially offensive and defensive line, because they can't do any contact stuff yet. There have been no pass rush anything. There's been no one-on-one. Even these, you know, two-minute drill and all that kind of stuff, th- there's no offensive and defensive line battles going on. It's too, too injury risky. Everything that we're seeing so far is based on on paper. As far as competing to move up or down the line, that's not going to happen for a while yet. There might be some of that based on, you know, comprehension. You know, if Christian Watson is just not getting it, you may see him drift down the chart. If if, if other guys, you know, if, if Devontae Wyatt's really starting to understand this defense at a core level and maybe Jerron Reed just isn't, it's an unlikely situation. But that may be a scenario where you see guys move around. But there's no, he's not doing anything to prove he's a, a number one, number two, number three, number four. Nothing is happening right now. So don't let your mind go there. And by the way, that that applies to Quay Walker as well. It's not because, well, he's so good already. We don't know that. He might suck. I don't know. Maybe Barnes will end up taking over that spot. I mean, I doubt it. They're going to force him on the field whether he sucks or not. But the point is it applies across the board. We don't know anything yet. This is just how they decided to structure it just on paper right now. So please don't panic. Uh, linebacker Quay Walker is first team defense in pre-practice walkthroughs. We already know that. Uh, it didn't take long for Quay to establish himself with the ones. He seems very much in the mix already as LB2. Not shocking, of course, but Barnes was LB2 in OTAs. So again, even back then he was LB2, which is a good sign, but also equally as not informative. Like we don't know anything yet. Uh, note on safety, Sean Davis says, I can see why the Packers quickly picked up Sean Davis last year and why he's been at safety three. Moves pretty darn well for a safety. SJC, Shamar Jean Charles, was showing off his agility and drills too. That was Andy Herman saying that. So another guy that we haven't really talked a lot about, apparently he is safety three, which is not a, a minor thing. I mean, we've only got two. And if anybody goes down as of right now, the question is, who is our safety? It sounds like Sean Davis. So that is a name we should probably get to know a little bit. And the, the fact of the matter is we are really, really strong with our starting guys, but that we are thin in a lot of places. And that includes corner, to be honest. I mean, if anybody goes down, you're looking at Shamar Jean Charles, KB and Ento, uh, Keyshawn Nixon is our, is our next up slot guy. Well, assuming you don't just kick Jair inside, which again, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, pass rusher, I mean, Kingsley and Randy Ramsey, linebacker, Barnes and McDuffie, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's strong st- with our starting guys, but it, it gets, especially along the defense, it gets a little iffy as you as if you lose anybody. A couple special teams notes. Um, first note, walking into the Don Hudson Center here, Rich Bisakia juicing up the Packers special teams with F-bombs. It's officially minicamp time. Gafford, Amari, Cobb, and Dobbs working on punt return and special teams drills. Toure showing off his gunning skills. I've heard a couple notes about um, 
being a gunner. I'm not exactly sure how you show off your gunning skills in minicamp, but apparently there's a way, and some of the guys are impressive doing it. Nixon, Toure, Winfrey, and Gafford, all with nice reps as gunners. Keandre Thomas with a really great rep as a gunner. Smoked Vernon Scott and was right in the returner's face. When you say smoked Vernon Scott, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Because I know you didn't hit somebody. You must have just got... So maybe that's it. It's just it's getting past the guy in front of you, which I, it makes sense. You can do that much. Which is good because we need... Man, I miss the days when we had some great gunners. Remember Jeff Janis just being down on every single play, just lighting guys up as soon as the ball got there? We haven't had that in such a long time. I would love... if not, I mean, I don't want to say if nothing else because there are other things that are important, like catching punts without dropping them and giving it to the other team might be might be priority number one or maybe just not letting guys get right past you and blocking field goals and blocking punts that's also important but I do really want a nice gunner that'd be great Josh Myers and Tyler Davis the wings on the field goal team and they put in uh, quotations here or parentheses or whatever the Tyler Lancaster spot in other words the spot that kept getting completely ruined which makes sense to me somebody else made a note like it's kind of weird seeing Josh Myers over there but it kind of makes sense if you're going to put somebody out there Maybe a guy who has experience blocking like your center. Just a thought. I don't know. And then finally, the team drills. So this this is just this is the play-by-play stuff that I put in its own category, and it's going to be linear as it happened or as I saw it come in. Team drills upcoming. Double, Douglas once again in the slot. Quay with the ones. First play, deep ball to Watson with Jair in unsurprisingly perfect coverage. So this is kind of cool because it, it kind of reminded me when we first got Jair. And... um I remember I remember being real worried about Jair because they, they put the pressure on him, and by they, I mean Aaron Rodgers and Devontae. They made him look like garbage. I mean, straight up. He's fresh out of college, and they just made it a point. They put Devontae on him, and Rodgers and Devontae lit him up. And so right out of the gate, what do you see? You've got Aaron Rodgers and Jair working with Watson. We've got our MVP quarterback and our now MVP caliber cornerback thanks to a lot of the pressure that was put on him and a lot of the work that was put into him, really putting Watson to work. And what a great environment for him, not only to have Aaron Rodgers, but to have guys like Jair. Because I'll be honest, I don't know that there's a better DB group in the NFL. And if you can learn to play against these guys, you can play against anybody. And that, again, the reason it reminds me of that is because that's the same thing we said about Jair. If you can learn to run with Devontae, you can run with anybody. If you can learn to line up against the best wide receiver in football, it's only going to make you great. And it did. So yeah, we're going to put Jair right in his face. And he's going to struggle. And you know what? We're going to be sad about that. And there's going to be a lot of stories about he can't separate. He can't do it. Good. Good. Make this miserable for him. I want you in his face. I want you to play physical. I want you to, because he needs to wake up, man, and fast. Because not only is he going from college to pros, but he, he was in a lesser version of college football. The jump he's making is massive. And he needs that, that wake-up call slap in the face to realize, dude, this is a different level this is 10 levels above what I've ever seen. And Jair Alexander is that dude. But the, the cool thing is, eventually something's going to tip. Eventually he's going to get open. Eventually he's going to get that big pass. And that's going to build up that confidence. And the, po- the point is, week one up against Minnesota, he's going to be playing as though Jair's across from him. And he's going to re- realize real quick, this dude ain't Jair. And that dude ain't Jair. And that dude over there is definitely not Jair. And this guy right here, he straight up sucks. The worst part of his week is going to be practicing during the week when he's got to line up against Jair, preparing for the next week. And then once he gets to the actual game, it's like, dude, these guys suck. Keep Jair in his face. So, and again, I I largely say that because you're going to see a lot of it. First play was to Watson. I guarantee that's by design because we need to get him caught up. 
and Aaron Rodgers is going to go to him a lot. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be in his face. If he drops passes, Rodgers is going to light him up. If he runs the wrong route, Rodgers is going to light him up. If he can't get away from Jair, that DB group is going to be in his face. He is going to be miserable. All these wide receivers are, but especially him, because there's no question that he needs to step up. Same Again, same situation with Jair. We did not have a good DB group. He was going to be a, a cornerback for us. There was no question about that. We needed help there. He was a first-round pick. And so you need to be caught up to speed by week one. We're going to lay into you. That's the situation with Christian Watson as well. You will be playing. You will be caught up. You better, I mean, it's trial by fire. We're going to throw you in the middle of the lake and you're either going to swim or you're going to drown. Continuing on. Quay with a nice read and quick quote-unquote tackle on Dylan on a slant. Love seeing that right out of the gate. Again, I know it's a lot of, and I don't even, it's probably not half speed, but again, it's, it's, it's not full on, but still, right out of the gate, a, a nice read and a quick tackle of Dylan on a slant. Absolutely gorgeous one-handed catch by Watkins with insane coverage by Alexander. Beautiful play by 11. A couple more notes on that. When it's a good play, I snag a couple notes. Sammy Watkins with a nice one-handed snag in 7-on-7 seven seven versus Jair. Sammy Watkins with a really nice catch across the middle with Jair and tight coverage. Drew some applause from the crowd. Jair even gave him a round of applause for making the catch. Love threw short of Dobbs on a corner route. And again, this this is the this is the thing that and, and again I understand it's just mini camp, don't freak out, but I just don't want to see this. And it says well short. Well short. You know, I'm 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 always gonna defend the guy until we know for sure. But I'm I'm just I'm just exhausted with it. I mean, it's to the point of of like special teams where all I'm asking is just adequate. Like he didn't do anything special, but he wasn't bad. And right out of the gate, it's way behind, it's well short, it's way over his head, it should have been picked. Dude, come on, man. Barnes with a quote-unquote tackle in backfield on a checkdown. A rare drop from Dubs. Dobbs. I'm never, ever going to... It's just every single time my brain's like, wait, what is it again? Dobbs from Etling. Was a little bit in front of him, but still should have had it. Deep ball to Toure with Gafford in coverage. Etling on the pass. Falls incomplete. Was a contested catch that Toure would have had a hard time hauling in, but there was a chance. Etling incomplete down the field to Winfrey. More tight coverage from the defense. Love to Cobb for about nine on a comeback, Douglas in coverage. Love to DeGuara over the middle for a nice pickup. Love scrambled for a likely first down. Vernon Scott with a pick six off of Love on an out route to DeGuara. Rough throw from Love. DeGuara had no chance. And by the way, there's different versions of Jordan Love when you go back to his college. I think it was, what, 2018, he was just lights out. 2019 is when he really struggled. But the biggest thing that I saw from him, and it was why I called him Mitch Trubisky before we drafted him, because he would look really, really good down the field like really good, and then would throw a pick when you get to the end zone. That, w- that was an issue for him. The problem is the inconsistency. He can't string enough plays together to get all the way down the field. Eventually, there's a, a catastrophic play coming. The rate of mistakes is way too high. I mean, to be a good quarterback, you have to be consistent. It's just, I mean, it's borderline perfect. If you're throwing well short or nearly picked or intercepted passes on every even 10 passes, you're you're going to be out of the NFL in two seconds. So the fact that there was about four or five plays, and then after your first bad play, you get four or five good plays and then a pick on a what everybody says is a horrific throw. You know, it's just, it is what it is, man. I don't know. You're on your own, dude. Figure it out. Then it says, Love responds the very next play with a 40-yard bomb to Christian Watson for a big gain. And again, he's he's got so much ability, but I don't care because if 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 in five plays you're going to throw another pick, it means nothing to me. Unless you're going to score in three plays on, on bombs, I don't know. But I guess the exciting thing is uh, it was Christian Watson, and it was a big play down the field. So 
if nothing else, Watson got behind somebody, and that makes that makes me smile. Out route dropped by Amari Rogers. Ball looked good from Love right on the sideline. Another guy that just don't do this to me. Trying to defend you, all you have to do is be adequate. Don't even start with me. Again, I know it's minicamp. Don't need to overreact, but you also don't need to be dropping balls. Just saying. Final note, Patrick Taylor, quick wide receiver screen on the outside from Benkert. Ty Summers all over it. I think what I'm going to do, because I am out of time and we're at about the hour mark, um, I'm going to save some of these uh, press conference remarks, and um, we'll just kind of double up on it tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you today. We'll also save the daily trivia for tomorrow. The question, by the way, for those of you that want to participate, who are the three oldest Packer players to ever record a receiving touchdown with the Packers? Bonus points if you can tell me the oldest. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.